welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a very special episode today. Uh, we have Samarat Dirks, who is an attorney in our chair of the chamber in 2022. Uh, we have Doug Barrett, who is a board member of the chamber and owner of 400 North Creative, and Lisa Sicily, who is a, a board member, longtime volunteer, and co-owner of New Boston Creative Group. Welcome, everybody. So we're going to talk today about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, Summer, Doug, and Lisa are all on our newly formed uh, DEI committee at the chamber, and they're here today to talk about how our business community will benefit from a strategic focus on DEI, as well as how we got the committee off the ground. Let's get this started. Um, Summer, you identified early on, and actually before uh, your chairmanship, that you're committed to seeing the chamber strengthen our DEI efforts. Can you talk a little bit about what motivated you and what outcomes uh, are you hoping to see? Yes. Um, I think motivation probably stemmed from being a business owner as a young woman. I had my own struggles and challenges starting my business off its ground, but I, I had the connections and the resources to do well. I think that I realized uh, that there were people that were different looking than myself that even had more challenges. I think the more that I hung out with um, some people in town, Doug being one of them, my friends, Nija, Julian, I have, I have some great friends um, that are of color that I've, I've started to learn through them what the challenges are that they are presented with on a daily basis. And I used to be pretty naive and uneducated on the topic. And now I, I have taken the opportunity to self-educate myself and spread the awareness amongst my peers that there is a disadvantage for uh, in diversity, equity, inclusion um, world. Well, I know from from our standpoint as a staff, um, this is something that I think we all want to be working on as well. So thank you for your leadership and making it a priority of your chairmanship. Uh, Doug, we mentioned that you're um, a newly appointed board member of the chamber, and thank you for agreeing to do that. But you've also been instrumental in forming and, and being part of the executive committee of the Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills, which formed several years ago. Tell us uh, the history of that group and how it is supporting Black-owned businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So in 2020, uh, with the murder of George Floyd, we reached out to the chamber uh, for some initial support um, and possible programming, access to capital. We had some initial challenges, um, and I think to this date, we've kind of overcome them. We begin to work together. But within those early meetings, we determined that uh, we needed uh, support. And we collectively came together as a board and as a leadership team to determine what we needed to support our businesses here in Manhattan, uh, which started off as under 20 businesses, which then grew to a directory of 65. And now we sit to about 136 businesses. So within the challenges of the individual businesses, highly educated, uh, Black-owned persons of color. Uh, we've got we've scaled businesses from uh, small startups to businesses that are over ten years in business. So uh, here we are, and uh, we're working with the chamber to continue to move the needle in the direction we want to go. And it's not just Manhattan. You all have businesses from across the region. Thus, the name uh, Black Entrepreneurs of the Flint Hills. Yeah, businesses from Geary County, Junction City, uh, Riley County, Pod County, Manhattan, and uh, Wamigo. And then I was uh, grateful to get the opportunity to come help you celebrate 
the grand opening of your new offices. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Yeah. With some of the uh, sponsors, Kansas State University Innovation Partners and Kansas Gas, uh, some of the donations that they made to the organization, we were able to take some of our funds and uh, purchase or not purchase, but rent out for a year office space at the community house and the lower level. Um, so it's given us an admin building for our board to be able to conduct meetings and uh, push the organization in the direction we need to go. And it was a great celebration when we uh, got to be there for the grand opening. So thank you again for the invitation. Um, Lisa, you were instrumental initially in starting our business advocacy committee. And in your last year on the business advocacy committee, this was something that you wanted to see happen, which was the creation of the uh, DEI committee. Uh, What do you see as the benefits for Manhattan if the chamber is able to increase its efforts in DEI? I think looking at this through a business lens, a growth in our community perspective, workforce is the number one issue that American business faces today. And Manhattan is no exception. And we have got to look more broadly at the people that we can bring in for their talent, their efforts, their creativity, their drive. And we have got to start looking at people who, as Summer referenced earlier, don't necessarily look exactly like the majority of us in the chamber. This kind of came to my attention in a conversation that I had uh, with Mike Madsen and Yusha Reddy last summer. And she brought to the attention, you know, that the, that the city has been working on, um, on improving their DEI efforts and, you know, what basically what, what's the chamber doing? And so Mike and I left that meeting and we started having conversations and I realized, you know, oh, this is going to be a big priority for summer. Um, there were some other activities over the fall. We just started, a lot of us in the chamber started having conversations with, with Doug and other people uh, who own businesses in the community and just kind of like, what, what can we do? What's, what are the next steps? And so then we really ramped up in January of, of this year. We have a terrific committee that is really um, dedicated to to moving the needle and getting some things done. And we've we've had some good accomplishments already. Yeah. And so we'll talk about those in just a minute. And I want to go back to Doug, because one of the things that really excites me about the Black Entrepreneurs of Flint Hills is, of course, as a a business organization, uh, we we see where you create real generational wealth is is by owning your own business. And I've heard uh, one of Doug's uh, peers, Sheila Ellis Glasper, talk about that, uh, that that's where you can make one of the biggest impacts in different communities is by enhancing and promoting uh, entrepreneurship and business ownership. And so that was one of the things about uh, Doug. Doug talked about the letter that they gave us early on that I was really excited about was it was we need to do this. We need to create more black owned businesses. So, so Doug, where do you think we are? Uh, I know, I know it's been a little slower than all of us would have liked. And we, you know, going back to, to uh, Commissioner Reddy, um, we served on the, on the DEI task force for the city and we're real insistent that there be some items put in there to encourage entrepreneurship in that uh, report. And so now we're following up on how, how we need to follow up with that. But, but Doug, where do you think we are on, on some of the initiatives to uh, help, start new businesses and and what can we do better? 
I think the the most important piece is that we were brought to the table uh, with Summer's position with the board chair and your leadership as the CEO of the chamber. Uh, we were brought to the table to bring these concerns that we experience as persons of color um, to share what you don't see. And most recently, we Lisa and Summer and I had a conversation with someone who shared experiences that she's had, and she's in an extremely executive role in this community. Um, so. When you hear it and you see it, you understand what needs to be done. And then when we're brought to the table to people that actually have the power and the position to help, uh, change can really happen. So I think where we are is we were brought to the table uh, at the leaders retreat. We had the opportunity to share um, with community leaders uh, where we are um, and a part of what the task force uh, has done. Uh, Darren Solden and Stephanie Pierce and myself are working on the community fund, uh, which essentially is hopefully a pot that will grow from where it is to a $3 million annual revolving account that would be equally split up between smaller businesses, middle scale businesses, and businesses that need to scale up at a higher price point uh, to determine uh, where they need to find funding from or they have access to that funding, um, I think is a huge step. And we've been able to do that because we are all at the table to look at concerns that we don't individually see in our own seats. So I think it's progress. It's slow. But uh, as we all continue to work together on the same sheet of music, uh, I think we can continue to chip away. And your organization's very insistent, probably not the right word, but just very you know, persistent. That, that act, persistent. Persistent. Yeah. That access to capital is one of the biggest hindrances to be able to see new businesses form um, in, in your community and quite frankly uh, across Manhattan, but but specifically if, if we want to encourage more uh, minority-owned businesses that we have to have better access to capital. 100%. I think even with uh, Heat Scorpion coming, you know, 500 plus employees, uh, those those em- employees will have uh, spouses and family members. And, you know, as K-State grows with their initiatives and uh, Fort Riley grows, you know, business owners, international persons of color and persons of color and underrepresented individuals will need that access to capital to be able to grow uh, collectively our entrepreneurship community. And when we're looking at, yes, Scorpion coming in, the university, we want the people who come here to be able to find the services and goods, products that they want. We don't want them to have to shop or get services in Topeka or Wichita or Kansas City. We want them to be able to find it here, no matter where they come from or what they're looking for. Um, and so supporting the businesses that can provide those services is crucial. And that's, you know, that we're, we're trying to stay focused on our right. business goals. And avoid the relocation of these professionals. Correct. Yeah. We want to keep them. This is a retention of quality of life I actually have issue. a real story about this. Tell so, us a real story. So when me. I was in Lincoln, we... We um, were fortunate enough to work with Verizon Wireless to locate a, a significant center there, a customer support center. And their first manager was a, a black woman from Detroit, and her husband was a, a retired police officer. And um, they asked, they called the chamber and they said, hey, would you mind showing Bonnie and, and her husband around the community? And we're trying to convince her to come into Lincoln and take over that center. And, and part of it is convincing her husband. And so will you, will you, would you agree to do that? And we said, sure, you know, those, that's kind of, we do that here too, right? We work with companies to sure. show their executives around. Yeah. And so we spent probably half a day or longer uh, on a tour. And, and I wish I could remember Bonnie's husband's name, but uh, he was a blunt guy. And uh, he said, Jason, you guys are great. And I appreciate everything you've done. And he goes, where the hell am I going to get my hair cut? 
And and I sat there for a minute and I said, uh, you know what? I've got a friend I'm going to call and uh, have him come help us. And uh, that's the first time that you you go, oh, there's these are things I don't think about. Right. And but but it's important if you're going to be a welcoming community that that you have the services that are available. Fortunately, in Lincoln, we did. I don't know that we do as much in Manhattan. That's something that we that we certainly need to be thinking about. I did just learn that yesterday from Doug. He, we were at lunch with a woman, and um, he told Lisa and myself that they have a directory for professionals that will provide those types of services that are being looked for because this particular woman had to go to Kansas City or she was trying to find elsewhere to get her hair done. He said, just go to our website, the Black Entrepreneurs of Flint Hills, and you can find a listing of those professionals. So I did learn that yesterday. Well, and we heard a story from, an, I don't, I'm not going to say her name, but but from a woman who relocated here who just said, I just decided I was going to teach teach uh, a, a local uh, entre- a beautician how to do it, do my oh, hair. Yeah. Yes. And she's, mm-hmm. yes, she's, I, I got tired of looking, yep. so I just said, I'm going to teach them teach how to do it. That touches on a larger issue, which is that different people look at things differently and they solve problems through a different lens. And what business doesn't need that? What business doesn't need people who can look at this from another perspective and say, well, you know, if we did this, we could appeal to this whole other group of people. We could market this product in an entirely different way if we just think about positioning it for another audience. I mean, those are the kind of things that if everybody is looking through the same, I keep using the word lenses, Mm -hmm. we'll say glasses, through Mm -hmm. the same pair of glasses, then they're seeing the same thing all the time. And that is not helpful (laughs) in today's world. We need to, we need to get all, all of the to beat the metaphor to death, all the sets of eyes yeah. <laughs> looking at our problems. And and I think we've tried to do that over the last, specifically over the last year uh, with Doug's yeah, yeah, introduction yeah. on the board, um, LaFerris is on the board, uh, Nadia uh, Arbello, who's the new SBDC director. Cheryl Grice, longtime chamber Cheryl, member, yeah. very active, um, been a great voice for and years. And so we, we have, are starting to hear more and more. Sheila. Uh, starting to hear more and more of that um, process. And I know that uh, getting Doug involved, I think, has created more awareness within the organization. So, Summer, we, we, we've talked about this a little bit, but but I know um, we were all excited with the Scorpion announcement. But um, how does a community embracing DEI help our efforts to attract out-of-state employers? Yeah, good question. Well, I think, you know, the DEI committee, we have very recently learned that we are we are self-identifying our own issues and making our community aware of the issues that we have. We are trying to retain young professionals, old professionals, new people to town. We're, we're trying to assess our community and gather those thoughts, understand the dynamics of the power in our community. I think the, the Chamber of Commerce, our role is truly to just become a resource to help the organizations be prepared prepared to attract and retain those employees. Um, Just like Lisa talked about marketing products, we're also marketing to an employee to come here. So if we can make all feel welcome and comfortable in our community, we're all going to continue to grow and someday get that red lobster that we've all talked about. (laughs) I don't even (laughs) think that's just a a funny joke forever. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's really kind of what we're we're looking at with the DEI committee. So we're in the early stages, um, but Lisa, do you have some specific goals that as chair of that committee that uh, you're looking at, and has there been any progress you think made? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we've discussed the letter, and and back in November, 
December of 2021, you know, Summer and I sat down to think about what are the goals, you know, you can't just have a committee and say, oh, we're going to have a committee. What, well, what is the committee going to do? And so we looked at the letter and, and we, and we, we set out goals. And so the, the fund that Doug talked about, the community fund is, is huge. That was a big one, you know, working on getting access to capital. Some other things that were on that list included getting small businesses certified as a disadvantaged business enterprise by the state of Kansas. So those are woman-owned businesses, veteran-owned businesses, businesses owned by persons of color. It is a long process. There, there is a wonderful woman named Rhonda Harris who runs uh, the office that handles these certifications in Topeka. So Doug and I have been talking, you know, how can we make the state certification process easier? So I'm going to give kudos to your awesome staff. George Kant is who liaises with the DEI committee. He and Sharla Meisenheimer got to talking and realize Sharla has been speaking with Rhonda Harris about potentially setting up, uh, you know, a step-by-step process for getting certified. So now George and Sharla are working together on that. And it and it's just, uh, Sharla just grabbed me leaving a chamber event the other day, and then we went and grabbed Doug and said, you know, how does this sound? And Sharla said, this is what we're thinking about. And I mean, it was, it was fantastic and that it's really great that the staff has taken this issue to heart. And how can we help? And how can we make things better? And what can we do next? I was really, I was really pleased about that. So state certifications, which helps a business on uh, a lot of pursuits and proposals. Um, you can be part of a lot of different projects if you can certify that you are a, uh, a certified business. One of the things that we're working on is a policy statement for the chamber. So, you know, the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce and then a verb of some sort. We're working on that, putting that together. We're going through the bylaws um, to see if there are places where we can add more inclusive language. There is a major state employer who wants to hold an event this fall in Manhattan, um, and that that's in the early the early planning stages. But that's going to be a very exciting event focused on the matter of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then we're also thinking about how we can uh, liaise, support, connect with. Uh, employee resource groups and affinity groups um, around the community and how how we can perhaps help our chamber members connect their employees with those groups, just just kind of um, explore how we can better support people in every aspect of their employment. And going back to the committee a little bit, because um, I, I, I think it's important to understand, it's not just dealing with uh, the, um, the Black entrepreneur issue. There are other uh, people represented yeah, on, absolutely. That, on that committee, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. so there's some other issues. We're and- looking at LGBTQ issues. Uh, Gabriela Vega, who is a Mexican-American attorney here in town, is on the committee, and so she's brought some great perspective to some issues that we've talked about and some things that, man, I've never... I've never thought about as a white person. And and so and and we also have some some people who most of us would look at and say these are people and they have said to our committee we we are people of privilege and and we recognize that and we are going to to use our privilege to bake a bigger pie <laughs> so that we can, you know, and and help to um, move the conversation along in the places where we are when we have the opportunity to do that. And Summer talked about this a little bit at the beginning, but we're not really where I would like for us to be and where we should be from a woman-owned business perspective either. And that's, and yeah, I know well. that's an, <laughs> another issue that, that you all are, are taking up as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's all in good time, but I mean, we're making strides every day because we're presenting our voices and taking action on those issues. 
Yeah. I mean, I'll just, that feels that, that a lot of people have asked me about that. Like, what are you, you know, well, Lisa, you own, you own a business with two other women. Do what, you know, what about women owned businesses? But I look at our chamber and we're so much farther along in leadership yes. positions with women. I agree. And that has been a priority for quite some time. Yeah. Do you feel that's fair? Absolutely. And so it feels a little self-serving to me <laughs> to make that be a thing. And I don't want to call victory and depart the field if we look around and say, oh, look, we've got all these women-owned businesses. <laughs> We're fine. You know, no. <laughs> it's bigger It's bigger than that. Um, that's been a little – that's been something I personally have, have been struggling with. But certainly I have told, I have told my story and, uh, you know, some issues and some challenges, particularly in the early years of our business. That stuff is real and it's still going on. And Doug talked about a highly accomplished woman here in town who just, you know, so so was it that, that she's a person of color? Was it that she's a woman? Was it both? Uh, probably that she has had some of the challenges here that she's had that she should not have to face. Mm -hmm. And so... And as a new person to town, newer uh, anyway, yeah, she feels uncomfortable and unwelcome. And so our goal is to make that not happen. And, you know, and going back though to why, why it's important... The chamber at some point, whether it was formal or, or just implied, made a conscious decision that they had to go above and beyond to have uh, representation yeah. uh, from, from both sexes. Yes, for so sure. So to me, it's the same issue when you say the chamber needs to make a decision to make sure that we have representation of our member businesses from all races. Yeah, and so, absolutely. So I think that's something we've done before historically, and, and it was a great accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Like you said, let's don't declare victory and move on. But yeah, yeah. And I think we have to to go further. So um, before we wrap up, uh, just maybe go around the room and and uh, we can start with Doug and any final thoughts. Uh, and we'll we'll come back maybe in six to nine months and and maybe take a look at where we are uh, at that point. But any final thoughts as uh, as we leave this podcast? I think we just have to continue to work. It's a everyday battle. Um, as we learn things each and every day, like I said, Lisa, Summer, and I heard some news yesterday, and it was mind blowing for the more challenges. More for us, more for us than for you. Sure, it was yeah, absolutely. But it was a reality. And yeah, it, I'm not to say this. It felt good for me as a person of color to have you two women yep. hear that. I can imagine uh, that because it's for us, Sheila and myself, and Dr. Crystal. We feel like we're repetitive over. So to have somebody else not in our circle or at our table uh, say something very similar, I was like, wow, okay, this is really happening. So now, again, we can move that needle. And again, as we try to attract and retain businesses here, you know, think about that. If, if a deal is broken just because an owner of a company can't find somewhere to get their hair done or hair cut, yeah. and that's the decision maker. Yeah. Uh, but you do have it because you just don't know it. So, so yeah, we just continue to work and strive and push forward. Lisa, how about you? I feel like we had a lot of relationship building, and I think we've made a lot of a lot of strides. I mean, folks from from all perspectives on this issue have said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get to know each other. We're gonna talk. We're gonna have honest, difficult, painful conversations, and we have done a lot of that. And we have said, but we're going to move forward. We want to make progress and we're going to. And we have. We still have so much to do, as, as you've said, Jason. We still have so much to do. But you got to start somewhere. And we, we have started. And I think, um, I think we have really good momentum now. I think we can keep on and do more good things. Summer, how about you? Yeah. So I think my note on ending is to be 
to go and self-educate yourself because just a few years ago, I was the person that said, no matter what you look like, where you come from, you can do exactly what I do. I would say those words. And that was ignorant of me to say out loud because I was uneducated. So I've, I've taken the time to self-educate and put thought into it and be intentional about it. Um, the, the next step that uh, once I discovered the um, disparities there, being intentional about who you put at the table with leadership. And if you have the opportunity to put some folks in certain roles that might make a difference on the topic to do it, whether that be in your organization or your committees within the community, be intentional about your leadership and, and what they can do to move the needle forward and continue to let Manhattan and our employers grow. I appreciate the three of you being on the podcast, but more importantly, I appreciate you all spending a lot of time addressing this issue on behalf of our organization and for the community and and look forward to following up in a few months and we can report back to our listeners uh, the progress we've made. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.